When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and happy Friday the 13th. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Today, our featured guest is going to give us a stern dose of tough love. I'm really excited about him. But before we begin, I don't know if you've ever heard this quote. It's by Grantland Rice. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's all about how you play the game. What a bunch of bullshit. I hate that quote so much because I think it's meaningless. In life, in sports, it's all about winning. It's all about winning, scoring a victory. Can you imagine being in the 1994 New York Rangers competing for your first Stanley Cup in 54 years and you don't win the Cup and everyone says, and they say, oh, you know, well, we played the game good. No. In business... When you are hired by a client, you have to succeed. You have to produce a result. It doesn't matter how well you went after and you you performed. You have to produce a result. And I think in today's culture, it's all about uh, this non-competitiveness. When I was a kid, I had this horrible experience happen where I was on a basketball team. And we clearly won. We were the best in the league. But one of the parents who's, uh, you know, some weird thing said that we needed to share it with another team. We were co-champions, which is a bunch of crap you either win or you lose and if you lose you take that pain and anguish and you transform it into energy and you go out there and fight and you win i don't know i'm I'm really passionate about this because in in business i fight every day for my clients i want them to be the best i want them to to succeed and i refuse to accept anything less and on the outer limits of inner truth when we go after guests, we will get every guest we want. Want to know why? Because I only accept two answers for guests on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth. It's either a yes or it's a restraining order. I refuse to accept no. I refuse to lose. And I think that if you go after your life, things you want in your life, and you pursue your, your passions, your spirituality like that, I think you'll go a lot farther than being wishy-washy and telling yourself, well, it doesn't matter if I achieve or didn't achieve as long as I you know, played the game good Bullshit. No. Fight, 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 fight. (laughs) Our featured guest is awesome. He's dynamite. And he is going to give us the tools and techniques we need to get to that point. It does matter whether you win or lose. It absolutely does matter. I say win because winning is a hell of a lot better than losing. Let us begin tonight's program. It is a great honor today to welcome to the program Mr. Larry Wingett. 
He is one of the best branded and most recognizable speakers in the business as far as personal development goes. He's a six-time best-selling author. And I discovered Larry's work, I think it was back in 2004, when I picked up a book called Shut Up, Stop Whining, and Get a Life. And the one quote I took away from it that really kind of changed me a lot was Larry's quote of, if your life sucks, it's because you suck. And I was like, oh my God, I suck. So that's when we had the turnaround. <laughs> Learn more about Larry by going to his website at LarryWingett.com. Mr. Wingett, great honor to have you with us. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Glad you read the book way back. Oh, yeah. I read that and read some of your other books. And you've always been this voice in my head. I mean, I tell you, you've been one of those people that's kind of like, you know, driving me forward because I believe that, you know, you're your message and information is pure and we have so many people today that seem to be you know protected and a lot of snowflakes i don't understand what it is but what would you say would be three or four of your core values and core teachings well you know my last book what's wrong with damn near everything is about the collapse of core values and i really think that's what's going on right now and uh society as a whole is our core values have collapsed uh, if you walk up to the average person on the street and say give me five things you believe in that you'll never compromise on no matter what i mean they look at you like a dog looking at a ceiling fan um they, people are unclear about what they believe in why they believe in in those things they don't show up in their personal life their finances their parenting their relationships and their business and the way they treat other folks and I think we got that stuff right. We could fix just about everything else. So it comes down to people understanding what's really important, figuring out their priorities, figuring out their values, and living accordingly to those. Mine are simple. I mean, honesty, integrity, doing the right thing, being kind to folks, being a good human being, uh, being responsible, uh, easy stuff like that, right? Well, I just don't understand why society or most people have lost core values. When do societies generally have core values? And why are people. Well, it's real easy to figure out why we don't anymore because yeah. there's no downside not to. I mean, consequences drive behavior. We've removed consequences from pretty much everything. People will do whatever they can get by with, that is absolutely human nature. Uh, your dog will do whatever it can get by with, too. I would hope that we're better than that, but sadly, we're not. We do whatever we're allowed to get by with, and we let people buy with too much. We don't have consequences for bad behavior anymore. And until we start imposing, there's got to be a downside. If there's no downside, society just runs amok, and we are. Okay. And... One of the things you mentioned in one of your books is that you can identify what people's core values are, whether or not they vote, what they have in their bank account, what do they do. So how would you talk – if you're talking about a person, what are some of the ways you identify their core values and what would you get from, let's say, for example, identifying what someone has in their bank account or if they vote? You know, I can, uh, I, can, I can drive down the road and figure out somebody's core values. You pull out and cut me off in traffic. You do not have the core value of respect. Now, people say, well, you don't understand. I was just in a hurry. Well, yeah, actually, I do understand. You're no more in a hurry than I am. It's just you don't respect my right to be on the highway at the very time that you want to pull out. If you cut in line at a theater or at a restaurant or at a concert, I know your core values. If I look at your bills and you're behind on your payments to somebody, it's not that you don't have the money. 
It's that you're choosing not to pay those people on time while you indulge yourself on other things. That stuff's really pretty easy to figure out. Your time, your energy, your money always go to what's important to you. I can check how you spend your time, where you spend your money, and I'll know what your values are. All these things kind of add up, and it really is not as hard as people like to make it. They like to offer excuses and reasons why things aren't going the right direction. It's because we've stopped being good people. I wrote six New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers telling people how to do things, how to raise their kids better. I've got a number one bestseller on called Your Kids Are Your Own Fault. I love that parenting. title, by the way. I've got a, I got a number one bestseller um, on um, money, too, called You Broke Because You Want to Be. I've written all these books telling people how to do things, and after writing all those books, selling a couple of million copies of books, translated in 20 languages, well, here's what I realized. None of that stuff works. People weren't getting any better. So all of these books that are out there by... Business authors, self-help authors, personal development people, they don't make any difference because you can't have somebody that's good, a bad person accept and adopt and practice good behavior long term. They always go back to who they really are. That's why my last book just threw all that stuff away and said, you know, stop worrying about what it is you're supposed to do. Just be a good person and you'll end up ultimately doing the right stuff. But we got to get back to being good people. I wonder why that has happened, why there's been a collapse in moral values. Because I, I, I do wonder, at their, where, does, where does morality come from? Where does respect come from? Where do these you know, values that you, know, you hold dear to your heart, I hold dear to my heart. I like to be respectful to people. I think it's good to, to, to be kind because I think that kind of you know, perpetuates a, uh, a mood or, or thing in our society. Where does morality come from? Where does good virtues come from, at least according to you? Well, I think society has an influence on those things. It's what society values that sends a big signal. When we have people who are famous for just being famous, when we applaud people who do really bad things and they put it on social media and we think that's cool, and there are a million examples of that, uh, when we watch jerks be rude to other people on television and we think, oh, and these are our icons, uh, used to be the icons were, were were people who had done something of real value. We had military heroes. We had sports heroes that were good folks instead of sports heroes that beat their girlfriends up in elevators. Yeah. I mean, just look at all of the examples that are out there. Then, in addition to society, we were a more moral society at one point because parents taught those things and school systems reinforced what the parents taught. And that's not the case anymore. We're more protected than we've ever been. Parents are more protective uh, than they've ever been. They don't want their kids to fall down, suffer, get scraped up, lose at anything, not understanding that losing is a much more important than win uh, lesson than winning. But we're not that way anymore. I don't understand why. I, both some, I know it's probably different in a lot of people's lives, but when I – went through a period when my life sucked, really did suck. It was that, there was that pain and suffering that was the fuel that kind of pushed me out of it, that made me want to work and do things and take actions. And 
I have to say that without those losses, I would never have the drive. I would never have the the passion for it today. And just coming, what you said about adults. Do you think that adults are becoming extinct? Mature adults are becoming extinct in our culture <laughs> today? Because I just see, you know, kids. I see adults doing these retreats where they're going to go play. They're going to do Play-Dohs and they're going to, you know, do camping stuff. The kids are doing. And I know that there's this thing about getting in touch with even a child. Okay, but I mean, I feel like are they regressing or are they are they not maturing? I just don't see a lot of mature people. I don't know. What do you think? Well, there's a lot, and I've done a lot of stories recently on that topic and adult recess and so forth. And, you know, I I do think uh, that I, I always, I could fix everything if I could just fix parenting, and we're not fixing parenting anytime soon. But So that's not where we're going to see a lot of solutions. The reason we have a lot of uh, uh, kids, I'll call them that at my age, in their late 20s who uh, are going back and having recess now is because in many cases parents have robbed their children of their childhood when we're more concerned that our three-year-old learn multiple languages and by the time they're in the third grade they're learning how to code computers and we're so concerned about what college they're going to get into when they're not even out of their diapers yet we are putting way too much pressure on kids and, and asking them to grow up faster than they should. We allow them to dress uh, like adults, act like adults, do adult things, and we've robbed them of their being a little kid. When I was young, and probably when you were young, parents, our churches, our school systems, society in general, encourage kids to play and just be a kid. And then there was a time, we were all taught this, that at some point you will have to put away childish things and grow up and be responsible. Now that was okay, it was a normal transition that we were taught to expect. And it was okay because we, along the way, had been given the skills and the values to grow up. Now we kind of robbed our our kids of that and we've got all these Young adults, now they got a little time on their hands, a little money in their pocket, and they say, you know, I'm going to go play recess this weekend. And so there's the parenting aspect of that. Then you've got the other side of it. We, we have a system that says, um, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. And you don't have to get a little bit political on this. We're just going to pay for everything, and we're going to allow the government to be your mom and your daddy. So you're not going to ever be asked to grow up. We're not going to expect you to be responsible for your own bills. We're not. We're going to cut you a check for breathing. See that? That's not encouraging adulthood at any level. You mentioned that thing about being political. I don't think that's a political thing. I almost feel like it's it's an abdication of your responsibility. I mean, this idea that people. I think a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for their own actions and. I can't understand why. I think taking responsibility for your own destiny is one of the most exciting things you can do. I couldn't wait to be an adult when I was a kid. I mean, I, granted, I don't like paying the bills, but <laughs> I love the idea of, you know. But you enjoy the stuff that the bills <laughs> oh, yeah. brought about. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I love, you know, eating ice cream whenever I want, staying up whenever I want. It's it's terrific and, you know, taking some action on it. But, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I feel like people are being too coddled. And I wonder if... People don't take more responsibility if we're going to head towards a society where the idiots are going to engulf the rest of the people. Are you worried about that? Do you think that in some way, shape, or form, if we don't have more responsible people, that the smart people are going to get drowned in the sea of idiots? 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, I pretty much think that's the way we're headed. You know, I was doing a, a big interview on uh, with Brian Kilmeade on his radio show, and uh, he asked me after we were talking about my new book, What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything? And, and he says, so uh, how do we change the world, Larry, if this is the case? And I said, we don't. I mean, face it, the world's doomed. <laughs> he just looked at I said, really? We're not going to fix the world. These idiots that go out there and say, I want to change the world, I want to save the world, you're an idiot. It's not going to happen. Here's all anybody can do. Fix yourself. You personally take responsibility. You do the right thing. You live by core values. If you do that, you might have a small influence on the people around you, the kids you parent. Uh, maybe the, the people who are close to you at work, maybe the people who are close to you and your family, you might have an influence, but maybe not. So if every single person said, you know what, I'm not going to worry about the world, to hell with them. I'm just going to worry about me, just me. You know, I, I do this for a living, and I have a hard time just keeping up with Larry Wingen. I'm not much worried about keeping up with anybody else anymore. And if every single person just went out and did right by themselves, I think we'd see a big difference, but that's not what we're doing. We'd rather fix the world and and uh, and live like crap all on our own. There are a lot of hypocrites out there saying this is what it takes to fix the world, and they're not doing a darn thing right in their own lives. You see, the idea that you have to take action, you have to take hard action, most people won't take. And Larry, one of the things I really admired about you is that I read is that you read a lot. And one of the yeah, quotes you had is that you said, I made a deal that when you first started that I would spend money on one thing, one thing only, getting smarter. I bought books. I would skip meals, skip watching television. I wouldn't skip an investment in my brain. I love that quote. And my understanding is you read something like a thousand books. Or Why do you read so In the last much? 35 years, I'm over 5,000 books. Wow. And of all those books that you have read, what would you say would be maybe some of the five or six top ones that had a incredible impact on you and books you'd recommend that everyone else read in addition to your own? You know, I think everybody should read As a Man Thinketh. Um, it is written by William James, truly one of the greatest books of all time, the father of American psychology. Uh, I think The Greatest Salesman in the World by Odd Mandino is a great book. Um, I, I tell you, i also a big believer in people reading great, great fiction. I've read about 100 fiction books so far this year mainly because um, you can expose yourself to a lot of great writing and a lot of the, the greatest uh, teaching moments uh, ever were done through fictionalized, made-up stories. Jesus taught through made-up stories. The great teachers uh, tell stories that have a moral, and they don't have to be factual or self-help or, or business books. They have to be based on truths. And so I also read a lot of great fiction books. Um, so I would encourage people to do that as well. Um, you know, I've read uh, books by Wayne Dyer and and uh, all the great self-help people. There are a lot of great books out there. And I would just encourage people to pick up any book. The average person never reads a nonfiction book after high school. Um and I think that's just a damn shame. I remember reading one of your other quotes that you said that I guess the average person doesn't read past the first chapter. And there's one self-help book I know that you're not a fan of, which I completely agree with you, is that you said the secret 
is, quote, without a doubt, the biggest load of crap ever put on paper. Well said, sir. Uh, can you please explain why you think The Secret is the biggest load of crap? Yeah, the book The Secret, and boy, that was the biggest selling book on the planet for Incredible. many years. Thankful the pe- <laughs> Thankfully, we've moved on. <laughs> but I do believe it's the biggest load of crap ever put on paper. The book The Secret says what you think about and talk about comes about. That's what it teaches. What you think about and talk about comes about. I believe what you think about, talk about, and get off your ass and do something about is what comes about. They they left out that that element of you got to work. You know, even the Bible said faith without works is dead. It takes action to make a change. And people are so we got so many people out there talking about you know getting your mind right and mindset training. I I think all that's all hogwash. Just go. Do something. And people say, well, how do I know what's the right thing to do? Just do something. And if it's not the right thing, you'll find out quick enough. But you don't make a change in your life, in your business, in your family, sitting on your butt in front of the TV with a uh, Android in your hand. I, I wasn't even going to give iPhone credit there. I went with Android. You know what I'm saying? One of the first, uh, in your very first book, Another chapter you talked about that really kind of changed my life in a positive way is at one point I was a professional struggler. I was one of those people where I would you know really try to work hard, do whatever I could to, and try to achieve a result. I wasn't achieving a result. I was you know charismatic and likable, but I was not achieving results. And you said that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You have to produce results. So if you're talking to someone out there right now who is struggling, who is doing whatever they can, they're putting a ton of action and they're not getting the results that they need, that they need, what recommendations would you, would you offer them? What would you say to someone who is professional? <laughs> if if you're working hard and you're not getting results, I'd say you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, and so, I mean, those are clues. If I do this all day long and it doesn't produce any positive results, then you're doing the wrong thing. Change it up. I think one of the biggest problems is that, is that we get so married and tied to what it is we believe is the right thing. And the only way that you know if it's the right thing or not is if it produces right results. Uh, and, and so that's a really pretty simple lesson there. Am I getting the results I want from the work that I'm putting in? If I'm not, then it's the wrong work. Go do something else. But we see, we listen to these motivational bozos out there that say, never give up, never give up. Oh, bull. The dumbest speech ever was the Winston Churchill speech that said, never give up. You know, if you're doing something and it doesn't work, won't you give up on that and go do something that does work? I have over 30 years in the personal development industry, and it's all based on the oldest joke in the world. Guy goes into the doctor and he says, hey, doctor, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, well, then don't do that. You know, it's really pretty simple. If what you're doing doesn't work, don't do it anymore. Do something else. Okay. And I do love that you you've emphasized the fact is that you're providing value. It's like you, you said another thing. You say that every single person on the planet is rewarded for one thing and one thing only, and that is for serving other people. The more you serve other, the higher your reward. When you wake up in the morning, what are two things that you do to help others, to serve others? Well, I realized many, many years ago the best thing I can do others is be the best version of Larry Wingate that I can possibly be. 
seriously. I don't live to make another human being on this planet happy. If I focus on me, and boy, I take a lot of crap for this. If I do what it takes to make me happy, and I know the last thing I do at night is look myself in the mirror while I'm brushing my teeth before I get in the bed, and I have to look myself in the eye and say, you've been the best version of you you can be today. And I do that because I know that being the best best version of me, to make me happy, I have to live according to my values. If I steer away from my values, if I've been less than respectful, less than honest, less than kind, then that will not make me happy. And a kind, honest, respectful person is what the world is served best by. So I am very selfish in that I know what makes Larry Wingate happy is to live according to his values. That's really awesome. And Larry, I've also going through your books, I've read what you said about stress and one of your quotes about stress says, stress comes from knowing what is right and doing what is wrong. Now, I've actually thought about that and I've read more things about it, but sometimes I know that I get stressed if my wife, if I try calling my wife and she doesn't call me back in two seconds, I assume the worst and I freak out. And I get stressed because if I have a client that I want to serve, I want to do the best I can for them and I worry of like, oh my God, I want to make sure I do it. And sometimes that stress, I don't know if it's stress or excitement, it motivates me, but is there another form of stress? Can, can there actually be positive stress? Can you utilize stress in a way where if you're having it, it means a good thing, and it's really all negative? Well, I, I, I see people uh, who are doing stress management classes out there, which always amazes me, because why would you want to learn to manage something you don't want? Um, <laughs> So I I see a lot of people talking about stress, and they say stress is a good thing. I think what you're talking about is not really stress. I'm I'm concerned that I do a good job, so it holds me, my feet to the fire, by my own set of personal standards that are very high for myself. Now, it sounds to me like more what you're doing. Um, if you're worried about the fact that your wife isn't calling you back fast enough, and believe me, I go through the same thing when my wife goes to the grocery store. If she's too long, I just did that two hours ago. I called her and said, where are you? you? All you did was run and go get milk, and it's been an hour. She could have been back in ten minutes. She said, well, I decided to do this, this, and this. Now, I called her out of concern for her, and she just thinks I'm bugging her. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, it uh, probably does. But that's not stress. No, it's not stress. It's just that, you know, I am concerned and I love her, and and I know that we live in a dangerous world out there, and I want to make sure she's okay. If she had said I was going to be an hour, I'd have been fine. (laughs) It goes from 10 minutes to an hour. I get concerned too. Stress, though, is what we put ourselves through that never leads to a positive outcome. And it's typically just like I said, the definition. Uh, it comes from knowing what's right to do and doing the wrong thing. I think what upsets us most, that's why it ties back to what I said about my values. Uh, I have high standards for myself, and I live, I just do my best to live according to my values. And when I know the right thing to do and I don't do that, that puts me out of alignment with my best self. It, and that's what causes stress. So if we just, uh, you know, sometimes I, I do in workshops, I'll say, all right, write down the one thing in your life that causes you the most stress. 
And by the way, if you're sitting next to that person, don't write their name because they might look <laughs> over your shoulder. But I have them write that down, and maybe they'll say it's their spouse or their coworker or my kid or my job or whatever it is. Write it down. I say, now look at it. Do you know exactly what you ought to do about that? Do you know what you ought to say? Do you know what you ought to do in that relationship? Do you know? Every single person knows exactly what they ought to do. And then I just say, are you doing it? Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about well, the don't action. be surprised you have stress. You know what to do and you aren't doing it. You have stress. Uh, well, I appreciate your answer. And speaking of growth, Lao Tzu once said, the key to growth is the introduction of higher dimensions of consciousness into our awareness. And of all the things that you did to expand your consciousness and awareness, what were the two that had the most profound and biggest impact? Um, always uh, reading and learning. Uh, I really am uh, such a student of life and uh, every aspect of it, that I soak it up in as many ways as I possibly can. Uh, and I am, uh, the other is I just increased my level of awareness that I notice what's going on. Um, I, I can, you know, people in my industry, the speaking industry, and I, and I do a whole coaching thing for people who want to be speakers or want to take their career to another level in their speaking career. And I'll say, if you will just increase your level of awareness, you will find that there are lessons everywhere. It's like I was talking about getting lessons from great fiction books. But I can get a lesson uh, walking down the street by watching how my neighbor mows his yard. I mean, I notice things. And I think if we would all take a moment and be present and pay attention to what's going on, and uh, have clarity in our values and our priorities and what matters to us, that you can really learn so much and maneuver your way through the world so much better if you'll just be in the moment. Being in the moment, do you meditate? Do you believe in uh, mindful, well, let's say mindfulness or meditation? Do you, I'm just curious also, what is your perspective on spirituality? Do you believe in metaphysics? Or do you have, is there any metaphysical principles you have? Yeah, I, I am a big believer in metaphysics, and I am also a believer in meditation. I believe that we all need to learn to get quiet, especially in this noisy, noisy world that we live in. Um, and we do live in a very noisy world right now. I think that we've got to teach our children that there is a time that there are no devices, and there is from the iPhone to the tablet to the television to the internet all of that you got to turn it off recently in my life i realized that because of my industry and and so forth i am very involved in social media and i it was eating up my brain space trying to stay active for my career and for my business but i just let social media make too much noise in my life and i went through and unfollowed 27,000 people. You have to do that one at a time, by the way. <laughs> wow. On Twitter, I went through and unfriended all but 400 people on Facebook, and uh, I had 5,000 on my personal page. I got 75, 80,000 on my business. I, un I unfriended everybody. I just said, if I don't recognize your face and I don't know your name and we're not friends, 
I'm not going to let you call yourself a friend on the internet. I'm just not going to. I stopped posting pictures of my family on my professional page. I don't let them see things anymore. I tightened up my circle to cut down the noise that was going on in my life. And I think that's something we could all do to help ourselves stay more focused and bring about more clarity. Be, and it, it'll definitely help you be more in the moment and more present. Larry, how did you get to where you were? I mean, when you were growing up, did you want to be somebody that would change and impact millions of lives? I mean, where did you yeah. really, what did, how did things come about to where you became where you were? You know, uh, I got in the self-help industry to help myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really did. Uh, I'm good at what I do. I'm a good speaker when I go on stage. I have clarity and can take what it would take most people a, a, a book to say, and I can kind of get it said in a sentence. You know, I laugh about the book that you're talking about, Shut Up, Stop Whining, Get Alive, and said, you know, for a lot of years I wasn't going to write the book. The title was so good. I didn't need to say anything else. Oh, your, and, your titles uh, are excellent, really by is the way. Tr- <laughs> I, I love the titles it, but... of your books. <laughs> titles. I write good books. I write great titles. But no, that was just never my goal. This, I developed this. I meant for it to happen. At some point when I lost everything in my life, and I tell that story in my books, uh, and uh, I decided I would be a successful professional speaker, that was a goal, and I went about making it happen. I put together the plan, and I executed the plan. I decided to create a brand that could not be ignored by being the one contrarian that went against all the typical motivational BS that most people are saying out there. I I threw away the suits and ties and put the earrings in, and and uh, put on the cowboy shirts and the boots and dressed the way I wanted to. And uh, built the brand that I created uh, by saying what most people never had the cojones to say. And here's what I discovered. People do not care about what you have to say. They don't listen to what you have to say. They don't believe what you have to say. They just listen to you to see if you care about and believe what you have to say. We are a society that is hungry for authenticity. They want the real deal. They want to see a person who believes so much in what they have to say that they don't doubt it. And so I got authentic with my career and with my words, stopped worrying about whether it made other people happy or not, focused more on was it the right thing to say, was it kind? Was it honest? Was it respectful? I, it didn't matter whether you got your feelings hurt or not. Still, was it kind? Was it honest? Was it respectful? And I said it. And uh, I, I really do believe that's what the world wants, is people who will stand up for their values and, and speak the truth about them. Excellent. And the last question I have for you, Larry, is what are one or three things, qualities of people, that will that you respect about them. So, if somebody was going to earn your respect, what would be one or three qualities that they would need to have? Well, first of all, I I hold honesty above all others. You can do anything in the world except lie to me. You lie to me one time, I'll cut you off the knees, and we will never speak or do business again. You don't get to lie. You can be wrong. You can be stupid. You can be a million other things, but you don't get to be dishonest. It's just a value that. Uh, means everything to me. 
So I, I look for honesty. I also look for uh, somebody who has some guts. I want somebody who has some guts, uh, who will say what they believe and uh, not worry about whether people like it or not. I'm tired of political correctness. I want people to, to be bold in their living and in their speaking and uh, be willing to stand up for it. And then I appreciate uh, somebody who's smart. I cannot stand a stupid human being. <laughs> well, jeez, I guess you picked the wrong time to be alive on planet Earth. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, that's why, you know, I've got a circle of friends that is so tiny that, uh, and, and I'll keep it that way. I just can't tolerate stupidity. And I don't tolerate stupidity. I believe that what we tolerate and what we put up is what we condone and endorse. And I don't put up with people being stupid or disrespectful or dishonest to me. I won't put up with it. So I like somebody who's smart. We don't have to agree. I just want people to be well-read and, you know, fairly well-educated. And I'm not talking about school smarts. I'm talking about, does this make any sense? I believe one of the biggest problems we have right now is people just don't know what the hell they're talking about. They just don't. I don't know. They haven't read a book. They don't have any research. Uh, you know, I can go on television and say 34% of millennials uh, live with their parents. That's a statistic. It's true. Can't be argued with. That's just a fact. And by the time I get home, I have people calling me with death threats on my office number. Really? Saying, yo, God, yes, death threats. And saying, you're an idiot. Because my daughter, she moved out when she was 18 and got a job. Okay, listen, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> then your daughter's not part of the 34%. She obviously fell into the 66% that I'm not talking about. But, see, we live in a society that believes that their personal experience is fact. It's not fact. Facts are fact. Your personal experience has, is not research. So that's what I mean. I don't, I don't have any tolerance for stupid. Uh, you can fix stupid at some point. You can, you can have some experience and pay attention and learn some lessons and get past it. And I don't see people willing to get past it. That's why I hold people accountable for their actions and their words and uh, don't put up with, I don't suffer fools easily. Mr. Larry Wingett, I have to tell you, this was a great interview and it was a total honor. And for everyone listening out there, I've been reading Larry's books for 15 years and he's had a real positive impact on, on my development. And I have to tell you, a lot of lessons that you've taught me, Larry, I've put into practice and I'm very thankful. Again, Larry is the pit bull of personal development. He's the world's only irrational speaker. He's a six times New York bestselling author, Wall Street Journal bestselling author. You can learn more about Larry by going to his website at Larry Winget, and that's W-I-N-G-E-T.com. Larry, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Mr. Larry Winget, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constance Ellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.